0: Alright! You get a double whammy today. Nice. Well, today we're continuing our series. We're looking at the gifts of Christmas. What we have said is that Jesus is the gift of Christmas, but also as believers in Jesus Christ there are certain things that happen and have happened in us that we receive because of our faith in Him and him, what He has done, and we see today God's accomplishment in us. And, of course, we know that Jesus Christ came to restore us to God. He came to reconcile us. And, he, and what we cannot do ourselves, Jesus accomplished in us. And what is that? Well, one of the, what, there's a lot of things. But one of the things is, is that Jesus brought peace. Amen? Jesus brought peace. So there's peace on the earth. Wait a minute, Pastor. I'm not so sure about that. If you pick up your newspaper, Preacher, and look in there, you'll see there's no peace. As a matter of fact, if you look in yesterday's paper, I haven't looked at today's yet, but if you look at yesterday's paper in the middle, it talks about West Bank and Gaza, Gaza strife. we talk about the Americans being uh, pessimistic. We talk about Peru ousting presidents, quake, uh, hits Indonesia, anger over outage in Puerto Rico, and over and over again, and that's just on the first couple of pages. Of how there is no peace in the world today. The world has no peace. So you're saying, Pastor, Jesus brought peace, but where is it? Well, the peace that God offers does not come on the world's terms. It comes God's way on His terms. And so what we see today in the Scripture is in the Old Testament that the world longed for this peace. And then we see the peace finally arrived in a place called Bethlehem. So we're going to look real quick at Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7, then flip over to Luke chapter 2 and look at verses 10 through 14. So Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. We see this, For unto us a child is born. Wait a minute. Stand up. I've got a little ahead of myself. The second uh, second, uh, video we had there, I guess, maybe it was. All right, now, in on reverence to the Word of God, verse 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of what? Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts We'll perform this. Then we skip over to Luke chapter 2. Picking up in verse 10. It says, The angel said to them, The shepherds, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you that you'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling claws, lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word, and we pray that you would have your way in our hearts and lives as we hear the word proclaimed, as we think about what you have accomplished in us through your Son, our Savior, the greatest gift, the gift of Christmas, Jesus. Lord, that you have accomplished peace in us. And so, Father, we pray that as we come to this moment, just for a few minutes as we dwell in the Scriptures, Lord, that maybe there are those here today who need to know what it is to have peace. We pray for those who need to have the peace with God, to be right with you, but also some of us, Father, who know you as Savior, just need to have the peace of God. As we walk through the difficulties, the struggles, the hectic life, lifestyles in which we live, whatever it may be, that we would receive the peace of God, and also to see what our responsibility is as well. So, Father, I pray now that you'd have your way in every heart and life. Draw us to yourself through this passage of Scripture, and for other passages we'll be looking at as well. And Lord, may you have your way in every heart and life, and I pray, Lord, may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. So we see in the bulletin just the three things. We'll look at these fairly quickly this morning, uh, but, uh, but uh, we look at several passages of Scripture. But the first thing that we want to see here is that we can know peace. We can know this peace. We can know what it is to have peace. As the people of Israel, as we look here in the scripture, as the people of Israel were facing very dark days, the Holy Spirit inspired Isaiah to prophesy about a great light that would come and shine in the midst of the darkness. And the prophecy would be of one... Who would come to be that light? Who would be that one? Who would be the light? Who would be that one who would break the chains of bondage? Who who would be that one who would bring joy? Who would be that one who would accomplish what no other leader or what no other person could do, that he would bring peace as the prince of peace? In Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, again, the latter part of 6 and first part of 7, it tells us, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. When we think about this peace, the word for peace here is the word shalom. And word shalom means completeness. Completeness. It means being made whole. It means bringing what is broken together. <laughs> It can be, this word peace, this shalom, can be the absence of conflict, but it really does point to something even better. It's being restored to a right place. And so what Isaiah is saying here is that there is one who is coming who is our peace. He is the one who will make us whole. He is the one who restores us to a right place. He is the prince of peace. He is, and of his peace, the Bible says, there will be no end. Of his peace, there is no end. Hallelujah. Amen. This peace that he offers, there is no end to it. Well, who is this peace? Ah, ah, Who is the one who shines in the darkness? Who who is that one who breaks the chains of bondage? Who, Who is the one who brings joy and accomplishes this peace that has no end? And from there, we move to the New Testament, to the book of Luke. In Luke chapter 2, the angels announce him in verses 11 through 14. It tells of verse 11, For there is born to you this day, the angels announcing him, there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you that you'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling claws, lying in a manger. Suddenly there's with this angel a multitude of heavenly hosts and they're praising God and they're saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So they announce him that the one who is this peace, who brings this peace, who is the Prince of Peace, he is the Savior, he is the Lord, he is Jesus. Pastor, I I, I want this peace. How can I have this peace, to be at peace with God? There's there's always been something wrong, something missing in my life, and I want to have this peace With God, how can I have it? How can I receive it? Well, let's see first how you cannot receive it. You see, there's nothing, friends, nothing that we can do to manipulate the circumstances of life in order for us to have peace. There's nothing that we can do in life to manipulate the circumstances of our life to give us this kind of peace. We may think, well, maybe if I just have order. In my life, then I can have peace. For those of us who are the people who like to have order, we would say, yes, but not quite. Amen? Maybe, maybe if we could just get everything in its place, maybe if we could make sure that there's just no clutter around us, maybe if we just line everything up and keep everything on schedule, then I can have peace. Y'all with me this morning? But what we know is that we really can't have that kind of peace through this kind of way because what we find is that eventually the dishes pile up. And not only the dishes pile up, but the bills pile up, and the events pile up, and the clothes pile up, and the problems pile up, and the trash piles up, and we can put everything in its place in an order, but it does not offer peace, real peace. Well, maybe, maybe we can have this kind of peace if we just try to not rock the boat. If I'll just be friendly to everybody and be nice to everybody that I meet, then they will be nice to me and they'll love me and I'll love them and then we'll have peace. Well, that's a nice thought. But ultimately, not everyone is going to be nice and not everybody is going to be friendly. As a matter of fact, some people just have the wonderful gift of being the Grinch or a Grouch or a Grump. Can I get a witness? Amen? (laughs) Some people just have that gift. And so you're going to come across people... Maybe more than one in your lifetime, but that's just the way they are. And, not, and no matter how nice you might be, they're just not going to be nice, right? So if you're trying to find peace that way, it's not going to happen there either. Okay, then it's got to be more religious. That's how I got to find peace. So what if I perform all of my tasks correctly with God? Then I can have peace. So what if I just attend church? like I'm supposed to, or, or serve in a whole lot of places, or, or maybe if I just listen to a whole lot of podcasts, i tell you what I can do, is I will even memorize the Bible from the beginning to the end, and certainly at that point, then, I can have this peace. No, friend, not even this can give us that peace. We will not live, because, listen, no matter how active we are in the church, we're not always going to agree with the pastor or the leadership, We're going to get tired eventually of serving. The podcast will get old. And just knowing the Bible is not enough. You see, friends, here's the thing. To know peace, you have to know the Prince of Peace. Amen? That's where the peace comes from, is to know the Prince of Peace. The only way to have peace, to have real peace, is through knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Our peace is found only through him. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way that we have peace with God, and it's not through anything that we can manipulate. It's nothing that we can do, but rather it is what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary for us. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Colossians 1.20 says, And by him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through his blood of his cross. That's where the peace is found. To be at peace with God is through the cross of Calvary. This peace through Jesus Christ cannot be manipulated. It cannot be bought. It cannot be earned. It is a gift from God to you if you will receive it. That's how we know peace. Friends, the world cannot give us this peace. No amount of money will provide you with this kind of peace. It only comes through Jesus Christ. He brings that peace. He brings that sense of completeness to our hearts and our lives. It is only what He can accomplish in us. Listen to what Jesus says in John 14, 27. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace... I give to you, not as the world gives to you, I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then also in John sixteen thirty three, he says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So no one or nothing satisfies or settles the heart and brings peace except Jesus Christ. This peace that we have through him is what God has accomplished in us. And so we can know peace through Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. We can know peace. Secondly, we can grow in peace. Okay, pastor, so I know Jesus, and I know that he is the Prince of Peace. But honestly, pastor, there are times in my life that are not very peaceful. Hmm. how am I supposed to maintain the peace of God in my life during those difficult times? How am I supposed to have the peace of God during the struggles, during the trials, during the things that I don't understand what are happening? How am I supposed to have the peace of God? Well, beloved, listen. Not only does God, does Jesus accomplish in, a, in us a peace with God, but also through Him we can have the peace of God. God. Amen? We have the peace with God through Jesus. We also have the peace of God through Jesus. He is ever working in our lives, and beloved, we are not there yet, but we can still grow in peace. We grow in the peace of God as we walk with Him by faith. And so here's a simple way to remember how to grow in peace, the peace of God. Three quick things. I'm going to touch each each one just briefly, but here, here here are these three all at the beginning. Trust, be thankful, and think on the right things. All right, so let's touch those. First one, trust. To have the peace of God as we go through the difficulties in life, we must learn to trust Jesus. We must learn to trust Him. The scriptures are clear over and over that the more we trust Him, the more we will be at peace. And the more we don't trust Him, the less likely we will have peace. We need to trust Him by faith. Trusting Him that He knows what's best. We trust the Lord. I think about as a a child when I was growing up uh, being in church, uh, sitting in my grandfather's lap. I remember uh, the comfort that it was to be able to crawl into the the lap of my grandfather who smelled like Hall's cough drops, by the way. (laughs) But I remember that very well and the security and the comfort that that brought and, beloved, listen, as, and I never worried about uh, him doing me harm. I never worried about anybody else around me because I knew that I was safe when I was in his arms as his grandchild. Beloved, we can also know that we are safe in the arms of Jesus as his children. Amen? Who loves us even far more than a parent or grandparent ever will. And we need to learn to trust him that no matter what we're facing in life, to know that he is to be trusted. We can trust Him to carry us. We can trust Him to guide us. We can trust Him to be near us. We can trust that He knows what's best. We can trust that He is still in control. We can trust that His timing is always right. We can trust Him because He is the Savior who has born. He is Jesus. He is Christ the Lord who came because He loves us. You see, friends, in Isaiah 26, the Bible tells us there, in Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yahweh the Lord is everlasting strength. He is our everlasting strength. In my Bible, there is a marginal note that has everlasting strength equals the rock of ages. You know that old song, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. This is where we find peace, the peace of God. In the midst of the storm is in the cleft of the rock. To know that he is there for us. And that he is there hiding us, securing us, defending us, helping us, and is with us. And 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says... Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. Beloved, listen. The Lord does not fail in his promises. He is faithful and he is trustworthy. We can trust him to have the peace of God. Back in 1555, there was a man by the name of Nicholas Ridley who was burned at the stake because of his witness for Christ. And on the night before Ridley's execution, his brother offered to remain with him in the prison chamber uh, to be of assistance and comfort to him before the next day. But Nicholas declined the offer, and he replied that he meant to go to bed and sleep as quietly as he ever did in his life because he knew the peace of God. And he could rest in the strength of the everlasting arms of his Lord to meet his every need. And brothers and sisters, we can trust him. As well, because he has never failed us yet, and neither will he. Amen? He is the God of the scriptures who is always, 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 always faithful and trustworthy. Always. We can trust him. So, to have the peace of God, we have to learn to trust him in every situation, but also we are to be thankful. In the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, the Bible says, Be anxious for nothing. You need to be reminded that that means don't worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So to grow in peace as you face the difficulties in life, we're to trust the Lord, we're to pray, but in the midst of that, we're also to be thankful, to take time to thank the Lord. We've talked about this time and time again here, but we need to continually be reminded of that, that when trials are before you, we go to Him and we are to be thankful, to be thankful for who He is and that He came, to praise Him and thank Him for all He has done in the past, thank Him for His presence in our midst, to thank Him for our access to him, to thank him for his abundant mercy, for his abundant hope, and to thank him for his abundant joy. And see, friends, what happens is when we begin to thank the Lord, when we are thankful for the things and try to think about how can we be thankful, even in the midst of this trial and this tribulation, this difficulty, is what happens in that thankfulness is that the focus shifts away from me and my problem, and it shifts back to him and thankfulness to him. And we're reminded that no matter what we're facing in life, that he is faithful. So praying, trusting with thanksgiving, we find that that passage says that there's a peace that passes all understanding. A peace that passes all understanding. Some of you here, maybe all of you here, have had that happen in your life at some point. Well, you've gone through a difficulty and you've gone to the Lord and you've trusted Him by faith and not understanding what it looks like or why you're dealing with this, but you look back, at later, look back at it later and you think, wow, in the midst of that difficulty, I remember having peace. Friends, that is no ordinary peace that the world can give you. It is a peace that you cannot explain. It is a peace that surpasses all understanding. And think about what Paul, Paul is the one who's writing this and all that he had been dealing with. And all that he had seen in his life as well in the trials of the persecution. And yet he's still able to say, as you not worry about anything, but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. and then with thank, And then you have the peace that passes all understanding. That comes. So let us be thankful and have this peace that we cannot even understand as we pray and trust and give him thanksgiving. And then thirdly, think on the right things. Think on the right things. In Philippians 4, just the next verse there, in Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, for the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So to grow in this peace that we have in Jesus, we must make sure that our minds are Not only trusting the Lord, our hearts are trusting him and thankful for him, but also thinking on the right things, especially in difficult times. So we need to meditate on the right things, ponder the right things, reckon carefully the right things, ponder on the right things, and then put those right things into practice. The Bible here says to think on those things that are true. Think on those things that are true. You know the problem with us a lot of times as, as people is that we get tr- get in, get get into trouble when we start what ifing all the time. It's not what's true; it's what might be. We like to think about what may be, what might be. The Bible says, "Think on that which is true." Don't get caught up into the what ifing. Amen. Think on the things that are true. Think on the things that are noble, not on things disgraceful. Think on the things that are just, not what is wrong. Think on things that are pure, not on what is poison. Think on things that are lovely, not on the ugly, like anger and bitterness. Think on the things that are of good report, not on gossip or backbiting. Think on the things that are virtue and anything that's praiseworthy. That's what Paul is saying here. To think on these things and to do them. Think on these things. Well, why? Why think on these things? Well, we know the passage of in Proverbs 23, verse 7, that says, For as a man thinks in his heart... So is he. These are the things in which we must think. And so, friends, we are able to have this peace of God. These are noble qualities that were exemplified in Jesus Christ, produced by the Holy Spirit, and they're to be in us as well. So we grow in the peace that has been accomplished in us through Jesus Christ as we trust him, as we are thankful, and we think like we're supposed to, focusing on the qualities that are like Jesus God's accomplishment in us is we can know peace, we can grow peace, and then also, thirdly, we can sow peace. We can sow peace. Looking this week, I found a statistic that the Society of International Law in London states that during the last 4,000 years, in the last 4,000 years, they have there have been only 268 of those years of peace. So in 4,000 years, according to these statistics, there have only been 268 years of peace, in spite of good peace treaties. In the last 300 years, there have been 286 wars on the continent of Europe alone. So when we look at the world state, we find that peace is missing in the world. But the world is not going to have peace because the world is the world. Amen? But God's people are to be different. We are to be peacemakers. And we are to sow peace. You see, as God has accomplished His peace in us through His Son, and we're restored to a right relationship with Him, then we will also continually grow in the peace of God. But also the Bible teaches us that we are to bear the fruit of Of the Spirit of God within us. What is that fruit? In Galatians chapter 5.22, we find a list of the fruit of the Spirit. Where it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and watch this, peace. Long-suffering kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. So we are to be bearing the fruit of peace. We're to sow peace. We're to bear this fruit of peace. Jesus says in Matthew 5.9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So as disciples of Jesus Christ, we're to bear this fruit of peace, being the peacemakers, sowing the peace wherever we are. So as a child of God, whom God has accomplished His work in you, and you have, the, you have peace with God, and you have the peace of God, then you also ought to sow this peace to the world around us to let them know of the peace that we have. And so the question then is, are you one who sows peace, or are you one who sows discord? Are you one who sows peace or are you one who sows disharmony? I think that's a legitimate question that we need to ask ourselves. Where am I in my walk? Romans 12, 17 and 18 says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for the good things in the sight of all men. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Hebrews 12, 14, the first part of that says, Pursue peace with all people. Pastor, you just don't have a clue what I have to deal with. You just don't know the people that, you're, that I have to walk with and talk with and spend time with. There's no way that I can be that kind of person who is pursuing peace and living peaceably with all men. How, how can you expect me to do something like that, to live that way among, among those people? Well, Beloved, I don't know those people, but I do know a person. Amen? And his name is Jesus. So, how we're able to live peaceably among other people and to pursue peace with all people is we find is through Jesus Christ. Let's just look real quick at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 through 16. And here the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's talking about between the Jew and the Gentile what Jesus has done on the cross. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Watch this. For he, Jesus himself, is our peace. Who has made both one, has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity, which is the hostility or the antagonism. So just what did Jesus accomplish that would make us able to sow peace and to be peacemakers? What Jesus accomplished, friends, is that he transformed your life. When you know Jesus Christ, he has transformed us so that now we who are at peace with God can be at peace with other people as well. Jesus did the amazing thing here of bringing the Jew and the Gentile together into one. They become one in Christ Jesus. What Jesus did when there was a great hostility, where there's great animosity between these two, Jesus removed the animosity and the bitterness and the hatred forever at the cross. They had been separate from each other, but now because of what Jesus has accomplished, the two groups have now become one in Jesus Christ. So, what does that look like for us today? Well, we may be Jews or Gentiles. But because of Jesus, we are believers bound by the blood. Even more closely to what we may think of in our life today, as believers, we may be Democrats or we may be Republicans, but we are disciples who are loyal to the Lord. We may be poor or rich, but we're joint heirs with Jesus. We may be an owner or we may be an employee, but we together as believers are colleagues in Christ. We may be older or we may be younger, but we are fellow servants of the Lord as believers together. We may be men or women, but together we are followers of Jesus Christ. We may be black, we may be white, but we are children of God. We may be American or from any other country, but together as believers we are citizens of heaven. We may be contemporary or we may be traditional, but we together are the family of God. That's who we are as believers because of who Jesus has done. So the question is, are you sowing peace? So as believers, we sow peace with each other and know that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. But also we're able to sow peace in the world as we point others to Him. We point people to the way in which they can have peace with God and the peace of God. People see that in us as we love one another. And as we tell them about Him, and as we also invest in what God is doing all over the world through our tithes and through our offerings. Now, Pastor, that's quite a rabbit to chase there. Let me just touch it for just a minute. You see, friends, not only are we to sow peace by how we live our lives in front of other people and pointing people to Jesus is meet them right where they are. Because as we point people to Jesus, we are sowing peace because the world needs peace, and the peace is only found through Jesus Christ. But we can't be all places at all times, can we? But what we can do is what we have in the Southern Baptist Convention is something known as the cooperative program so that a portion of what you give by way of your tithes here goes into this pot called the cooperative program and from there, money is sent to our missionaries to support our missionaries, North America and international. And so when we give to our offerings to our tithes here at the church, a portion of that goes to support people who are sowing peace out in the world around us. And then not only that, but we have the global impact offering that we give to throughout the year as well, where that also is divided among our missions agencies. And then this time of the year, like this when we're now, we have the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And so when we give our money to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, as you see, our goal is $92,000. When we give to that, every dime of that money goes to support our missionaries who are on the missionary field. Who report, what are they doing? They're pointing people to Jesus. And so we are sowing peace even as we give through our cooperative program giving and our Lot of Christmas offering as well as our other missions offerings as well. So we're taking part in that and we need to take that seriously and not forget it, and pray that God would use it for his glory. You see, friends, because Jesus came, God accomplished in us through Jesus that we can know peace, that we can grow in peace, and that we can sow peace to the world around us. So... Let's unwrap that. What does that mean? What do we need to take home from this knowing peace, this uh, God's accomplishment in us, that we have this peace? Well, the first thing we need to unwrap here and take home is we need to first off consider this question. Do I have peace with God? Now, you're not asking me that question, and I'm really not asking you that question for me to get you to tell me right now, but I think it's for you to answer yourself. Do you have peace with God? Do I have peace with God? Friends, it only comes through Jesus Christ. And so if you do not have this peace with God, it's because you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Through Him, we have that peace. It's a step of faith where we acknowledge we're sinners in need of a Savior. We turn from our sin and turn to Jesus in humble repentance. We embrace believing that Jesus is God's Son who died on the cross and rose again bodily from the grave, professing Him as the Lord and Savior of life. It's a step of faith that we take, trusting Him, confessing our sin, coming to Him by faith, saying, Lord, save me. And as we do that, there is this peace with God. If you've never done that, we invite you to do that today. But then the second thing that we unwrap here that we need to take home is to cultivate the peace of God in your life. Do you have the peace of God? No matter what you're facing in life, can you say that I have the peace that passes all understanding? Let that be cultivated in your life as you continue to trust him, to believe that he knows what he's doing. When we cannot understand his hand, we trust his mercy. Amen? We trust his mercy. We trust him and trust his heart. And then be thankful and thinking the right things, keeping our eyes on Jesus, cultivating the peace of God. And then thirdly, be characterized as a person of peace. When people see you, let them see a person who is a peacemaker. A person who is of peace. Who sows peace. And beloved, who's not a grinch or grouch or grump. Amen? But a person who sows peace. That's what God's called us to do. To be people of peace. To point people. To point other people so that they can have peace. Let's pray together. Father. We pray that you'd have your way in our hearts and lives, that we would indeed be people of peace, to point people to you, to live for you, to honor you. Lord, I pray that you'd have your way in every heart and life here today, that, Lord, as we come to this moment of invitation, if there are those here who need to know the peace that passes all understanding in their hearts and lives, going through difficulties, to grow in that, but they need to trust you more. Father, I pray that this would be that time of commitment and saying, Lord, I just want to hear your voice. I want to sense your presence. I want you to guide me in the midst of this and help me to trust you in the midst of what I'm facing. But Lord, also there may be those here who have never trusted you by faith and need to know peace with God. To have that peace that that comes from you only. Lord, as we come to this invitation, the pastor Joe and myself are here. we be glad to pray with any person here who needs to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe Father, you're just dealing with us to, to surrender our hearts to you. To say, yes, I want to be a peacemaker in my home. I want to be a peacemaker at work. I want to be a peacemaker at school. I want to meet people where they are and appoint them to Jesus so that they too may have this peace. So, Lord, help us to be faithful to you in whatever you're dealing with us about today. Lord, as we come to this invitation to come and yield it to you here at the altar. I pray with Pastor Joe and myself. or simply just to pray here silently to you. Lord, may you have your way in our hearts and our lives. We'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand as we sing.